creatives welcome to another episode of unpublished my name is amy i'm james and today we're going to be doing part two of the fear of success we had so much fun recording uh part one it is such a big topic there's so much to unpack here and we're excited to dive in but before we do so i thought we'd just do a little update as to where we are at the moment because we've had a really big week creatively speaking yeah i mean as probably all of you know amy launched her first fiction book this week i did and you know, we've obviously we've launched nonfiction books before, but this seems like something different. It me. does. I mean, the reason why I feel able to write nonfiction, the reason why I feel able to talk about creativity and teach creativity is because of my fiction, because I am and have been called to write stories. And I've, I've felt that way for, you know, I've been writing stories for, you know, properly, committedly for, like, you know, nearly 10 years. And so for me to really stand out and you know, take up space as a fiction author was really momentous for me and the part of a really big journey. I hope, I know it will be a very big and long journey for me writing stories and sharing my stories. And to sort of segue into the success topic, do you feel like this, with this launch, do you feel more successful? I do. Um, And that comes from a lot of self-talk, self-worth and like self-work. Um, because I think there was definitely a version of me who would have been really bitterly disappointed. Um, we did a podcast last week about my journey coming to publication and, and choosing to self-publish. And for a very long time, I really believed that picking myself meant failure. Um, but I've rewritten that story and I can see now that picking myself was pure success. And I had to change my definition of what success was. And to me, sharing this fiction is only a huge success. Getting it to see it in people's hands and getting to hear people's feedback about how the story resonated with them. Like that is success. That is what it means to be an artist. That is what it means to share your art. Um, and the fact that no one gave me permission to do so mean, makes it even more of a success to me. I chose myself and... I was found worthy. I really also feel like success came well before the launch on as you were, you know, as you worked through the pain that you had about going through self-publishing rather than traditional publishing. And as you realized that, no, it was enough to self-publish. No, it was even better in many ways to self-publish. Like that was the real success that I saw was that mindset shift from you. Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful way to look at success as well. We have so many wins and, you know, learnings and level up moments if you choose to go on this creative journey and take yourself seriously and do that inner work. And I've had so many personal, spiritual, like inner work successes that have come from facing my art and facing all my resistance and facing all my limiting beliefs. Just success after success really there. Yeah, so awesome. I'm so so proud of you. Thank you. Do you want to start looking at some of these questions? Yes. So as we did with part one, we are basing this podcast off of the questions or the statements that were put in uh, on my Instagram stories some time ago. Um, So we're going to start off where we left off, which is this is what this um, person has uh, sent in. I fear that I'm chasing someone else's definition of success. And 62% of people resonated with this, 38 people did not. Actually, I asked them a question. I said, do you know what your definition of success is? And 62% of people said yes. 38% of people said they don't know what their version of success is. All right. It's so difficult. I mean, you've really, and as you said in your answer on the stories, journal about it. It's like that level of introspection, I think so many people that I know do spend their whole life on someone else's path. They spend their whole life on the path that isn't right for them and it's really heartbreaking to see and I even think this happens in creativity where it's like well I've got to write the next um, big blockbuster 
movie or something when really you want to be writing poetry mm. and we chase commercial success or we chase um, financial success which are both perfectly valid but may not be really like the core reason that we got we started creating in the first place mm. yeah I mean asking yourself what your version of success is is a deeply well, it's a, an expansive journaling prompt and something we should continuously come back to because it's going to shift and it's going to change and ebb and flow throughout our whole life. Um, and we have to be careful as to what's informing it because if we don't question it, it will be informed by our cultural standards. Um, so whether that looks like uh, the amount of hours that you're working, whether that looks like the amount of money that you're earning, whether that looks like the amount of eyes on your art, the amount of external validation you're getting, the amount of prizes you're winning. You know, there are so many cultural stories about what success looks like um, and some of them may resonate with you but a lot of them won't and we need it's very brave to say no that's not what success looks like for me so uh, you know a perfect example of that is success for you know in the cultural narrative is to be chosen by a gatekeeper and to be given a publishing deal and to be picked by someone uh in those upper echelons and that's what i believed success was and that's what i chased and i chased and i chased and it was so deeply so destroying for me and it made me feel so small and so unseen and so silly and I needed to change that narrative that I had about that being success and I did and now I've I've never felt more successful than I have in this moment right now because I asked myself no that isn't what success means to me how can I redefine it yeah I think the analogy that I love here is you've got to before you really start off on your journey you've got to make sure that your ladder is against the right wall if your ladder is against the wrong wall doesn't matter how fast you climb the ladder it's you're going to end up at the wrong place at the top mm. and you're going to realize you've wasted all that time climbing the ladder. I think a lot of creators spend a lot of time searching and feel lost or behind mm. and they feel like they're standing still when really they're just searching for the right wall. And I mean, I feel like I spent a lot of time looking for the right wall. Um, I spent years denying myself the knowledge that I wanted to write novels. And I was like looking for shadow careers. I was looking for other things that might interest me. Um, I found it really hard to engage in, in like in muggle work I found it really hard to really engage in the world because I had no ladder up against a wall like I, I, I had I didn't even I couldn't even find a wall essentially that I wanted to put a ladder mm. up against and I wasn't and my conviction was I'm not going to start climbing any ladder until I know it's the right wall And but then I kept I would doubt myself constantly because I'd be like well I'm never going to find a wall yeah, I remember this. I mean, we had so many conversations where you'd be like, "You have writing. Like, what do I have? I don't have anything." Mm. I was like, "I want. I was like, I just want something that I can commit to. I want something that I can do that makes me feel alive and meaningful." And I just, I mean, even though you know, say, I loved my degree, I loved ancient history, but I never saw that as like a wall or a ladder I wanted to climb. Yeah, it's really interesting that never, even though you literally loved it, it was mm. it was such a just an you interest, so much joy. It was an interesting, yeah. not like a. Yes, I like when I would think about becoming an academic or writing papers, I'd be like, that's something that might be interesting to me, but it's not something I want to spend my days doing necessarily. Mm. But writing, when I found writing, it was really like, wow, this is something that I can really, this is a, a wall I can put my ladder up against. I love, I just, I love that so much. And it's so funny that it, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or I, I don't know if it, we bought it out in one another, but it's so funny that that was what we both wanted to do. <laughs> I know. It's like, like we, when we got together, it wasn't like we, you know, in year 12, it wasn't like we went, 
Okay, yo, you want to be a writer? Okay, me too. Yeah, let's get together. Isn't it just bizarre? I don't think we even talked about it for years. No, we <laughs> I, didn't. Don't, I didn't really know you wanted to be a writer until we've been together for maybe three years, I reckon. I wonder if that's a, like a nurture or nature kind of thing, if we mm. nurtured it in one another or if, if both of us just had this intrinsic need to express ourselves through words and it just happened that we found one another. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because, you, I mean, you had been an example to me for so many years before I started writing. But it really was like that light bulb moment or like that um, I the switch flip moment where I started writing. I don't even know what caused it, but it mu- there must have been an element of me watching you do it. Yeah, but the fact that it resonated that much with you, I feel like that wasn't, I didn't make you resonate with it. Like I, maybe I, I took, maybe my writing influenced you to begin writing, but the fact that it clicked with you so profoundly is just so the coolest thing. I think, I think it, was, it, feel, it feels like luck. It was like a combination of, when I was a teenager, I loved books so much and I used to read so much. I was like, this would be really cool to make these worlds. And then I tried it one day um, when I was a bit like, I probably tried writing a few hundred words here and there when I was younger and it was just really hard and didn't flow. And I was like, oh, blah, blah. I bounced <laughs> off it. But then when I tried again, like 10 years later, and for some reason, I don't know what it was. It must've been the right time in my life. I just had so much fun. Mm. And then that pushed me to keep having fun doing it. Mm. And it was just like something that I was enjoying so much. I love it. I think this kind of leads me onto the idea of process being success. Like every single day I wake up and I journal and I'm like this day, like this day is a success. And for me, uh, pinning success on less of the moments of success, so less of the book launches, less of the finishing the books, but really seeing success in the fact that I wake up, I write 500 words, I share my art. Like, and like, this is a cliche that used to really annoy me because I was like, shut up. I want to see the connection. I want to see my book go places. And I really understand that. Um, But I also think there is an importance in understanding that success is being the author, being the artist, being the creative, whatever it is you do. Like the success has to be an everyday experience. Like we are so successful each day, James, because we wake up and we do the brave thing, which is just to create. I honestly feel so successful every time I write my 500 words which is every day. (laughs) I feel amazing afterwards. Like, honestly, I just can't describe to you how successful I feel when no one's reading my work. I'm not making any money from it. I just love it. Like, obviously, every day, sometimes it's hard. But once when I actually turn up to the page and I actually do my writing and I get through it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so successful (laughs) today. I'm so successful, even if the quality was shit, even if, like... I'm going to I'm going to delete that in my second draft like I feel successful. Yeah. I absolutely love that about all the lives that we've created. And it really did take me a long time to get to this place, particularly when I was really struggling. Like I was doing a lot of muggle work, hating it. And all I wanted to do was write full time. It was very hard for me to feel successful when I was desperate to leave essentially my muggle work and get to live a full-time creative life. And people would tell me, I had, I remember my brother, beautiful brother-in-law, um, he, who is an actor. He was like, you've got to see you've got to see the success in the process, Amy. And I was like, fuck off. Like, I get what you're saying and I love my process, but my life was so uncomfortable at the time. It was really hard for me to like click with that. And I don't even know if I know how to like, I don't know what that is. Like, It's interesting. I think a lot of people used to look at both of us because we we're kind of late bloomers. Like, And I think a lot of people used to be worried about us. They were really worried about both us. Both of us. They were like, what are James, Amy and James going to do with their life? Like, yeah. what are they going to do with their life? Like, They just seem to be bumming around writing what are they going to do yeah and 
we didn't know for ages. We were, we were like, we're hoping, worried too. Yeah, we're worried too. We don't <laughs> want to tell you, but we're worried too. And it really, and that's a real fucking thing. Like that is real, mm. and that that pain and that fear and that worry is real. Like yeah, and it's something that you can't wave away. It's not something that you can just change overnight. Like no. it exists for most creative types, I think. Um, but you, but it's really about. I think that's why I cling to the process so much. I think as well. Um, and I know it's so, it's so hard. Like I'm, I'm never one, I'm always one of these people who are like, um, oh yes, it, you know, it's worked out for us, but did we just get lucky? Like I always have doubts like this. And, um, and I think like, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this, but essentially, yes, there are huge elements of luck in mine and Amy's stories mm. and huge elements of privilege. Mm. But at the same time, we did really find that rhythm in that searching period of how how are we going to produce a lot of good work mm. and how are we going to get it out there? Mm. Which I think if we hadn't had that searching period, that fumbling around period, that painful period, I think we wouldn't have developed those habits and those yeah. methods that allowed us that when we did get, well, especially for Amy, like when you got your little sniffs of potential, yeah, you were able to go, all right, I can grab that. And yeah. Go. Yeah. Well, we, the success was in the fact that we were showing up so consistently that like eventually something had to come around from something had to be created from the consistency. Something had to come up. Um, and I believe that if we show up creatively consistently, like you won't be staying still. It's impossible to stay still. It's yeah. impossible to be stagnant. I think for me in those fumbling times, the reason why I was so desperate for external success and a more traditional version of someone else's success was to prove to the, everyone who was so worried about me that um, I was legit. You know, I was so, you know, I was borrowing my parents' money. Like I was so poor and in debt. debt oh and my God. Was... And everyone was always so, and I was like really depressed at this time. And everyone was so worried about me. My parents live in the UK. They flew me over because they were like, what's going on? Like, and I'm so grateful for them. Like really I got taken care of, you know, in a beautiful way. And these are some of the privileges that really, you know, took care of me when I was at my lowest. But this obsession with success was really formed in this areas because I was like well if I was given a book deal then everyone wouldn't think that was a fucking loser <laughs> with like 10 grand worth of credit card debt and I can't afford rent um and I had to undo those narratives uh when I was on a slightly more even playing field after I found journaling I was really able to like look at the narratives I developed um my obsession for external validation and external success and this these like traditional cultural narratives of success were really there because i didn't feel enough and i felt ashamed for wanting to create um and ashamed for wanting to live a full-time life as a writer and i was clinging and desperately hoping for these traditional versions of, of success to kind of soothe that pain um and what i didn't realize was that i could define my own success however the fuck i wanted to I think a moment that really s sticks with me for you is after you launched the journaling compendium and for the first time you made some money from yeah. your art and from your writing. And then we were at a wedding of a friend's and that old man was like, Oh, you're a writer. Well, what publishing house are you with? Yeah. And you were like, nothing. I sell publishing. He's like, Oh, you have to have a publishing house. How could you possibly succeed with that one? And like, you were just like, fuck off. I don't care. And like, that would have broken you two years ago. Yeah. Like, you would have been, I think before that you would have been like, Oh, you probably would have been in a spiral for weeks after that. Yeah, I remember. 
And my beautiful friend Pip Dracarkis was watching me. She was just standing like five feet away. Pip's an amazing creative as well. She's just watching this unfold as this guy is like, oh, you need a traditional publisher. And I was just, and she's just looking at me smiling and I'm like, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, that took a really long time to get there. Should we move on to the next question? Yes. I don't know. I feel like we've gone on, on such a tangent anyway. Yeah, this we t- did. Um, I hope we answered the question. No, I, I, you know, I fear I'm chasing someone else's definition of success. Like the yeah. bravery that it takes to realize you're allowed to define what success is, is like monumental, but we each deserve to be able to dictate what success looks like. And I really encourage you to just take this to the journal. Yeah. And so once again, it's not going to happen by you just like doing nothing, essentially. You've got to really introspect to find this. Yeah. And you got to push through a lot of pain and resistance. All right. The next, the next thing that was sent in is this. I fear success because excitement and fear have the same body reactions. Um, and I've asked the question, does excitement and fear feel similar to you? And 80% of people say yes. 20% said no. And for someone who has an anxiety disorder and someone who has a very sensitive body, um, this really resonates with me. Uh, my body reacts really similarly to excitement, um, to anticipation, to like, you know, good things happening. It reacts really similarly to that, uh, to fear, to bad things happening, to, you know, being in fight or flight. Um, and so I really, I really resonated with this. I don't know if you resonate at all, James. I don't know. To me, I don't really, under- I didn't, I had to ask him to explain the question for me. Maybe it's an autism thing, but I, I find it, I find I, my body is often like an, a blank, almost neutral. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a very neutral feely person. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a lot of highs and I don't have a lot of yeah, lows. Yeah. Yeah. You're very, st- um, stable. Like occasionally, like I, when I, if I have a day where I'm in a, when I'm upset or in bad mood, Amy's like, what? Yeah, I don't know what to do. What, to, what do we do with this? Um, so I, I, I guess maybe I'm not the best person to answer No, it's okay. I'll take over. Um, so it just, it, for me, it was really, like, I'm just so glad that this person sent this this fear in because I really resonate with it too. Um, and so if something really good happens, it will feel very like anxiety to me. And so I'm guessing what this person is saying is, you know, success is going to feel a lot like failure in the same way that it's going to stimulate my central nervous system. I'm going to feel in fight or flight. I'm going to feel overstimulated and panicked because excitement and disaster feel really similar. And to me, that just is like, a really real and legitimate thing that a lot of us do have to worry about um but i'm learning that slowly i'm really learning very slowly to how i can manage my central nervous system how i can manage the fight or flight response whether it is bad or whether it is good and the idea that excitement and opportunity and success is going to overstimulate your central nervous system i really resonate with that but we need ways to be able to manage to have boundaries around our bodies to have boundaries around the way that you know we get stimulated so that we can enjoy success enjoy opportunity and enjoy connection while still having a central nervous system that isn't overloaded Um, and for me that looks like you know knowing that we don't always have to say yes to everything, knowing that we um, can have boundaries in place, um, knowing that we need rest. I think a lot of people fear that success means that we'll be so busy, we'll, we'll, you know, our bodies will burn out, we'll be exhausted, you know, we're going to be riding this incredibly high fight or flight state all the time. But that's just not true. And again, this comes back to your definition of success. Like success doesn't mean you have you know a schedule that is jam-packed success doesn't mean that your central nervous system is overloaded we are allowed to dictate our own success and to me success looks restful it looks like my anxiety is not present it looks like a very calm and soothed body um and 
I have to play a part in that. I have to seek that kind of success by putting in boundaries, putting practices, um, having routines, knowing how to care for myself. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you, Ames. That's okay. Next. Next. Okay. Why do you fear success? Because I feel like it will make me pompous. I've asked a question. Are you afraid success will change you? 45% of people said yes, and 55% of people said no. I guess this is, this is different to, you know, last time we did the success episode, we talked about tall poppy syndrome and stuff. Yes. It's slightly different. It's like, will I... That's like, you know, worry, being worried about other people, how they're going to react to your success, versus this is being worried about how you are going to react to your own success and becoming worried about being a bad person. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. I'm just going to read the um, little bit of text and writing that I wrote under this um, question. A lot of people have written this answer. We got a lot of people saying that they were scared that um, that success would change them. They're afraid they will change, that their egos will get out of their own control and that they will become dickheads. I often find myself policing myself when something goes right with language like this. Don't get carried away, Amy. Don't let it get to your head, Amy, etc. How can we cultivate trust in ourselves so that we can surrender to the journey and know that we will be aligned in the greatest heights of our success? So how can we trust ourselves that... And know ourselves well enough that that when success comes, when opportunity comes, when abundance comes, that we know that we're not going to, you know, deviate to people pleasing, saying yes when we really mean no, um, let our egos take control. Like, how can we cultivate that trust? And we can do that, I think, right now in this very moment. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, you really want to have already thought about what you, what success is going to look like for you, as we said before. But then, like, you want to have thought about how you are going to react. Exactly. As a like to give you an analogy, Amy and I talk all the, all the time about when we have when we if we ever get really rich, when we what, get are we, rich. what are we going to do when we get rich? What how are we going to give charitably? Like mm-hmm. what's our charitable giving going to look like? We've got to pre-prepare for that because otherwise you're just going to have all this money and you're not going to be prepared and you can get carried away. Money is a really excellent way of looking at this. And actually, Ramit Sethi, who is um, an amazing author on money mindset. Um, talks about this a lot Uh, people who become suddenly wealthy just don't change the way that they act when they were um, you know starved for money Um, because if you don't prepare how you're going to uh, change your behavior um, it just won't change and so I think this is what this podcast is really looking at like we have to prepare for success what does success look like to you how are you going to act when you are successful how is it going to feel when you're successful like this takes preparation Um, if it is just given to you you're going to have a really hard time of adapting I think you know often young celebrities people who in their late teens early 20s often have a really hard time with this and become douchey mm. whereas often you see people who get become successful or sports people say mm. but then often often when you see people become successful later in life or say if you're a sports person once they've been or or often an actor or a musician say once they've been in the limelight for enough time they have a sort of transition often where they kind of get a bit more they kind of introspect and look at themselves and they come through better or they go through they get worse basically like there's, yeah. like there's a transition point and you either survive and become a better person or you crash and burn yeah um and to have already been able to go through, like, you, if you're not, if you're in your, if you're older and you're not successful yet, that can be a real amazing blessing because it's like you've had way more time to develop your character, you've had way more time to develop your tools for how you're going to handle success mm. and how you're going to handle people thinking that you're really cool or how you're going to handle people saying you're great or yeah. something. 
these are the questions that we, we should be asking ourselves, particularly if you're, um, you know, you're a people pleaser. And I know that I am a big people pleaser. I really like the idea of people liking me. Um, and like, how is that going to look um, when I get older or and when I get more successful? Um, and I want to be looking at that like right now. It's not something to wait for. Like this is a right now kind of thing that we need to look at. Yeah, like you need to already have a policy about what you're going to say no to before you start exactly. getting a million offers from people to do shit. Oh my God, like right now, like after this podcast, sit down and write down what opportunities you're going to say no to, to protect your central nervous system, to protect your time, to protect your rest, to protect your ego, to protect you. You know, and if you're, if you're an actor or a director, for example, imagine getting the Oscar, imagine standing up on stage and then imagine genuinely and gracefully thanking the people who helped you get there yeah and imagine you're being yourself at the after party or something or imagine yourself the next day and like what generous things are you going to do for people what and how do you feel yeah how do you feel like how are you going to ensure that you act as a good person after that yeah and it's and you and you will like if you you prepare for it you will act well of course everyone's gonna make some mistakes every now and then but i genuinely believe that you can prime yourself to continue to be a good person after you're successful. Of course. It's just that most people don't think about that. They just think about the success. They're not like, well, how can I be a good person and be successful? They're like, I need to, I need to, you know, get cast in a big movie and make all this money. It's like, well, think about who you're going to be. Yeah. I, I really like this. I think we've got more work to do on this, honestly. Like, I think I need to know in more concrete reasons, like where, what opportunities I really want to take advantage of when they come my way and what opportunities I don't. So that I have a firmer base to kind of stand from. Um, and we spoke about this in uh, the last episode on success, but I'm sorry, I'm just going back a little bit, but um, how grateful I am that I was rejected so much because it made me get to define what my success is. It made me come home to my own worth. It made me see myself before others saw me and that was the greatest biggest gift in my life and I needed it and if I'd been handed success we said this in the last episode if I'd been handed success immediately uh permission by external forces that I could do art I would never have done the work I've done and I would not be well Mm. big I believe that we can all be beautiful whole generous successful people um there's so many cultural narratives that suggest once we have money once we have fame that we'll be you know dickheads and that's just not not a narrative we need to buy into at all not at all you can still be an amazing great person yeah you don't have to be pompous just like resolve i know it doesn't it's not this easy but resolve to be a good person if you ever become successful i was thinking just then about if you like imagine if you had been uh you basically amy's basically never been given a sponsorship opportunity on instagram um and I think it's a really good thing because it's like... I love it. What? like I just feel like it gives you much more perspective now on what you can say yes or no to. I, I really feel like yeah. if, if you'd been given sponsorship opportunities for random shit, you know, three years ago, you would have just taken anything. Yeah. Because you weren't ready. I wasn't ready, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah. I really, I, that, that's a really good example. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. I also, also was just thinking of a great example. I had a phone call with someone the other day with Lewis. And that's a great example of me saying no to something that was... An, an, Again, like three years ago, I would have jumped on it, mm. but I knew it wasn't for me. And even though it was what you could say traditionally an extremely successful opportunity, I said no. And I'm so proud of myself for that. Mm. I'm yeah. learning. All right. Next question. Um, why do you fear success? It will come with haters and criticism. I think we talked about the trolls last episode a little bit. Yeah, it's really valid. Um, yeah. Again, 
Um, how are you going to deal with them? How are you going to protect yourself from them? You know, there's opportunities, as we've just said right now, to learn how to protect yourself from these people. Obviously, it's going to get worse, but like looking at how you can prepare for that now um, and the work that you need to do to prepare for that now, there's like, how can you back yourself in a way that the random opinions of like random fucking people won't bother you? How can you build self-confidence and self-knowing and self-love in a way right now that when you hit those heights and like random fucking people on the internet are being cunts, it just bounces right off you because you know and love yourself to such an extent. That work is done now. It will be so much easier for you to move into a place of success when you know yourself now and love yourself now rather than trying to fight these trolls, haters, and having their input as you try and do the work. Amen. Why do you fear success? Because then I can't play small anymore and I'll have to actually step into my power. And then I asked, do you resonate? And 94% of people said yes. 6% said no. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to have your ladder up against a safe wall, isn't it? Like, so easy to never test yourself. Oh my God. So easy to never do anything vulnerable like that is the easier way to live that's the way the majority of people that we know live yeah it's the, in the, it's the way that almost all our friends live mm. um and you can see and you know so many people we know are so risk averse they're so committed to playing safe and playing small that they'll you can even see as soon as they have an amazing exciting idea about their life i just know they're not going to follow through with it mm-hmm. basically with 99 percent probability i'm like I know how much, how afraid you are. And I know people with all the same privileges and all the same um, circumstances that we have who are just too afraid. Mm-hmm. And it's just way safer to do nothing. Yes. It is. and But it's also way less rewarding and fun. Yeah, it is. I've written here in the comments, we need to find ways to make sure we feel comfy and safe and loved in other ways as we step into our power. Stepping out of the comfort zone means we have to take supreme care of ourselves. How are you going to do that? When I um, when I do the brave thing, I take care of myself by dot, dot, dot. And I've said that's a good journaling prompt to start with. Like it is going to be scary, but that doesn't mean that you can't have spaces that you feel safe and confident and loved and protected in um yeah you're gonna have to start taking up space and no you can't play small anymore but that doesn't mean that your life has to be in constant fight or flight kind of goes back to that excitement um anxiety exactly it's like you don't have to jump into the fire immediately it's like you can always dip your toe in yeah always try small things you can always like build things up slowly you don't have to launch a whole business tomorrow like no. Why don't you just try and get one client or something? Or why don't you just try and build a website? Or yeah, like let's these just small go slow, baby. Well, like people get afraid because like, oh, okay, I can't just live in my safe little bubble anymore. I've got to break the bubble. Yeah, and I've got to burst out of it and pop it. It's like, well, no, just you don't have to. You don't have to just slowly. You're allowed to take your around, time. Like, take your time. Yeah. You're allowed to do things at your own pace. You're allowed to take rest. You're allowed to say no. None of these things are you playing small if you're continuing to show up and share and create and make. We're allowed the other side, the gentle side of success. There is a gentle side of success if you allow it, if you allow that to be. Again, the cultural narrative of success is like, 
yes man. You say yes to everything. Um, you're constantly on the go. Uh, you're always afraid. You're always leveling up. Like it's just ridiculous. There's no nuance to it. There's no peace to it. There's no like attention to yourself within that within that story. And I want to invite you to look at the soft sides of your success and how you're going to feel safe and and you know at peace and rested in your success. Um, yeah, you can't place. You can't play small anymore if you want to be a success, if you want to achieve what your definition of success is. But that doesn't mean that your life is going to be constantly uncomfortable. Um, it might be a bit uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable at times, but you need ways to soothe yourself and to take care of yourself to balance this wonderful journey that you're on. I just don't like this idea that we're constantly uncomfortable. Like I am, you know, pretty consistently doing things that push me out of my comfort zone. But I also have so many practices that soothe my central nervous system, that soothe any anxiety that, you know, that make me feel safe. And we just need to really rely on them as we do this brave work. Yeah, I was. we were talking the other day in the car about how as artists, you also kind of have to just, or as anyone creative, you kind of have to just look at the step, one step in front of you. Yes. You know, it, and that's a way of protecting ourselves, but still moving forward. It's like, just it's focus really on the example. next step and the next step and the next step. Like, don't look at the big dark forest out there. Just look at the next step that you can see with your little flashlight. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's just a way to protect yourself and still keep moving through the dark forest. Definitely. And that's that was the vision that I had for so long when I was really in a dark space and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I lost my job, all that shit. I was like, just one more step. Just every day, just take a tiny step because all I can see is two feet in front of me and I'll just keep taking steps. And I had this sense that there was magic and abundance around me. And there was, and I, but, and I just trusted that. And I just, again, just took these baby, baby steps. Cool. I think trust has a lot to do with that too, trusting the journey. Mm. Okay, we've got one more question. Why do you fear success? Letting go of this struggle. It is scary to think of life without it. I have responded, this is a profound realization. I was addicted to the chemical rush of depression for a long time and I felt lost without it. Have you ever been addicted to the struggle? 81% of people said yes. And... 19% of people said no or they're not sure. I mean, you know what my answer is going to be. Do I? I don't know. I, I, I feel like my whole life I've been really good at avoiding <laughs> the struggle. Yes. Make, setting up everything to be as easy as possible and effortless as possible. You are unique in that way. I learn a lot from you in hey, that Hey, there are sense. 19% of us out there. Yeah, that's true. You're special though. <laughs> So this is something obviously I resonate with a lot. Um, a lot of us do. Again, the cultural narrative is that the artist struggles. Um, it can become a real part of our identity if we're not careful about it. It can become a real part of our motivation if we're not care careful about it. We need the struggle in order to keep creating or we need the depression in order to keep creating. Um, and there's very real addictions to these chemicals in our brains that can leave us in a withdrawal of sorts when... Uh, that changes and when I moved from a state of being depressed into a much healthier mindset I felt genuine withdrawals from being depressed and I would daydream about having like depressive episodes throughout my day because that they because I missed that chemical rush that I was getting it was almost it was permission I feel like for you to, to, sit give, in front of the, to give up in front of the tv yeah exactly um, so this is really legitimate and something definitely to take to the pages. Are you addicted to the struggle? Are you addicted to the bad feelings? What do they give you? And for me, you know, that took me to have to really like be introspective about it. Depression gave me permission to give up. Depression gave me permission to cry and like, you know, just like, I mean, 
I maybe I can't say it any better than that. Depression gave me permission to give up. And so I needed another way to give myself timeouts, to give myself permission to just, you know, opt out that was different to depression. And I needed to mimic that in a different way because depression in no way served me. It was horrific and it kept me small. Um, but I can see that there was it was giving me something and I needed to look at what it was giving me and how I could translate that into a healthier way. And, you know, that just meant for me, like if I was tired, I was allowed time off. You know, I just I needed to make it more of a healthy influence in my life, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But it's very legitimate. And there's mm. so many stories that say that artists have to struggle. And I just want you to know that you absolutely do not. Of course. And I, I don't want to pretend that I never have difficulties with my writing or with my life. And it's just like... um. I guess in a way I've always been afraid of struggle. So I've always like, and sometimes I don't challenge myself and sometimes I don't push into things that that I should push into. I don't do things I should do because I'm afraid. And I'm so afraid of being afraid that I just reject it completely. And that's also a problem. Yeah, that's really interesting. But I mean, maybe I'm just coming to this realization now, but I do (laughs) definitely. And it's, it's back to the playing small thing as well. It's like, I am very good at playing big in a few things and I'm very good at playing small in a lot of other things. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So there's, there's been a few like like I can I always thought maybe it was because I'm like very hungry, very ambitious person, but like there've been a few opportunities in your life where you're like, "No, nah, it's it's too hard." And I've always been like, "Just let James do what he needs to do." But like if I were you, I would have pushed harder. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes, like I won't push anyone. I won't push other people. Yeah, you don't push other people. Yeah, it's really interesting. Because I don't want the struggle of wills like i like an argument but i don't like to inform i don't like to, to like try and b- bother people into doing stuff yeah. for, me, like, for example or yeah interesting i don't know i wonder how that gets in your way creatively mm. interesting but it definitely doesn't come from a place where, it's the opposite it's like it doesn't come from a place of me um uh, wanting the struggle wanting the struggle it comes from a place of me really not like wanting to to avoid it to avoid the struggle yeah. yeah that's really interesting like we literally come there at two different places where I, I i know a lot of creatives i've worked with a lot of creatives and i've seen it myself where struggle is a really great way to self-sabotage so if you see an area where you can struggle you know you just like go for it because you're like oh these can be my excuses as to why i'm not doing this this and this we often do this really unconsciously real unconscious self-sabotage but i see creatives choosing the hard path all the time and then just complaining complaining oh i can't do it. it's just so challenging this is oh you know this is excuses um and they've chosen this hard path you know as a way for them to stay small intentionally um and that would be a really good thing to pick and pick up like i'm gonna do nanorimo because then i can really i can really hurt myself by making myself right 50,000 NaNoWriMo by writing 50,000 words in a month and that's going to suck yeah yeah ouch you could have made it way easier on yourself but you chose the hard path because it feels more like you're doing something it feels like when something's hard it's like when you have a really hard workout you feel it feels more wholesome or something even though it's potentially doing you harm yeah this probably does interplay into hustle culture a lot as well like we love to be exhausted um because we've been taught that that's you know a moral like high ground to be at we love to be struggling because we're taught that that means that we're working hard and working hard is morally good uh if we're having a hard day that's morally you know superior to someone who's having an easier day we've been told and taught through again cultural narratives that the hard path is the morally superior path and it's a story that we all need to examine how it's impacting our lives because it's damaging us and it's preventing us from doing our best work it's preventing us from being the artist that the world needs us to be amazing hey we're supposed to be on holidays today so should okay, we finish we'll up? finish up but this was lovely thank you for being with us guys if you um 
are feeling called to. My book is on Amazon. It's on in Barnes and Nobles. It's in Booktopia. If you read her, book depository as well. Book depository as well. If you read her, leaving a Goodreads is such a powerful way for you to serve me and serve my. Uh, and an Amazon review as well. Amazon review, like reviews, are just such a powerful way to support authors, specifically indie authors. I, you know, I can't really express my thanks for you doing that, but it would be incredible if you could. Hey, even if you never read the book, maybe just go read just a, go. Just go leave James. a five star review. James, read just the book. Saying. Read the book, but if you don't, five star review. <laughs> so naughty. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.